morning. It's good to see you guys. Welcome. So glad you're here. This is our fourth week of the Porch Community Church in existence, and we're so glad you chose to be here today and be in worship with us. Um, it's a really special day. Uh, the first Sunday of every month, we will celebrate communion together, so we're going to celebrate that a little bit later in the service, and we'll give you some instructions on that, because I know some of you maybe come from a church background, or, or, you, or you haven't really experienced uh, communion, so we'll give you some some instructions on that so you'll know how to do it, what to do it, so you don't get weirded out about it. But also, that's a weird way to introduce communion, isn't it? Gosh. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> but also, school is starting this week. <laughs> that's exactly the response I expected. Um, but we're going to have a special time of blessing today for our teachers, our educators, our admin, all the people that are involved in our school systems and the, the parts that you play in that. We want to have a special time of prayer later on in the service for you as well. So it's a great day to be here. My name is Shannon Patterson. I'm the lead pastor here, and um, it's, it's been a great ride so far, hasn't it? Has it been a good time so far? Okay. Just a little bit more excited than school starting back, so that's good. Um, so we are in this uh, series that we've been doing. You saw in the bumper video, asking the question, so what would Jesus do? And his answer being, he would love first. And so as the church, then how do we, how do we live this out? And so we said, okay, well, if, if the question is, what would Jesus do? And the answer is, he would love first. Then as the church, we will too. We will do what Jesus did. We will love first, and we will, we will live these out. And so we have been walking through this and, and looking at the different aspects we find from Scripture of what Jesus did and then how we can do them. Now, before I, we look at today's Scripture and talk about this aspect of Jesus' ministry uh, today, I do want to mention one other thing that's coming up, and it's this coming weekend. You heard it in the video. I talked about it last weekend, but it is our Disciple Now weekend, or D-Now as we say it. And it is a huge, big, amazing weekend. Um, I would say in our church, but reality in our community. Because we have, what's the number? Where are we at right now on, on sign-ups? 900, a lot. That is the official number, a lot. Um, but we are, I mean, we don't have a lot of spaces left open. So if you are a 6th through 12th grade student and you want to come, sign up today, sign up tomorrow because uh, we're getting close to the, the limit that we can hold everyone. But it's going to be a huge weekend. And we've got host homes and we've got group leaders and we've got people helping drive and people helping serve food and all these things. There's a couple of areas where we still need some help. So we would love if you would go online and sign up. You can go on there and see the different areas where your help is needed. Listen, we have said this from the beginning. We want Disciple Now to be an entire church thing. This is not just a student ministry deal. This is an entire church thing. So you could show up even for an hour and, and do your part just one hour for the whole weekend and help like reset the auditorium and get the place looking good next Saturday evening, which is really more like 1030. So if you're just hanging out, I know you're probably thinking earlier like, what am I going to be doing next Saturday night about 1030? Well, um, right now it's me and two people signed up to be in here cleaning. So if you would like to come hang out with me, and one other person next Saturday night, I'd love to see you. You know, we can chat, we can, we can hang out together. But we need some help. And listen, here's another thing. And this is, actually it is on the sign up, prayer. We want somebody praying over the entire weekend for our students, for our leaders, for our speaker, for our band, for everyone. Because I'm telling you, the theme is Jesus' life. And we want our students to get this and get it really good. 
as they go into this school year. So D-Now's coming. Sign up, help, pray. Um, it's going to be a fantastic weekend. Okay, so we have talked about, we've covered a couple of things in this series of, of His Church Will Too. And I want to give a really quick recap. And I encourage you to go online and go to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page or our webpage, and you can see the messages that we've done so far. But this is what we've covered. So if the question is, what would Jesus do? And, and he would love first. Well, how will he love first? We've been looking at these practical things. This is what we've been saying. First, we know the very first week, Jesus came to make things new. He came to establish that new covenant with us. So we said, all right, if that's what Jesus does, then that's what his church is going to do too. We're going to present the newness of Christ to people. Uh, secondly, he told stories relevant to his audience. So we're going to make sure we do that. We, we're going to talk in a way and teach in a way and present in a way that people can get it because that's what Jesus did. Thirdly, we talked about how Jesus brings life. And so his church is going to do that too. We don't want to be a dead church. We want to be in rundown or in a rut and doing things that don't have any fruit. So we want to bring life. Uh, then we talked last week about how Jesus loves sinners, which in case you were wondering, that's all of us. So it's not like just the person sitting next to you, but it's every one of us. And Jesus loves us. So as a church, we're going to do this too. And then today, what I want us to talk about, and it's perfectly fitting for this time of prayer and blessing we're going to have for our educators, and it's this, Jesus made disciples. Jesus made disciples. It's what he did. Jesus made disciples. So as his church, this is what we're going to do too. This is how we're going to do this. So, and, and, and arguably the most famous scripture uh, about Jesus making disciples is found in Matthew chapter 28. Very well-known passage. I encourage you later to go read the, the passages before and after. But I want you to hear this out of Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. This is Jesus speaking. And he is telling his disciples, he's, he's kind of setting them up for, uh, listen, I'm not going to be here much longer and this is what I want you to do. And this is what he says to them, beginning in verse 19 of Matthew 28. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach, teach, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, there's so much in this, this little short passage I could share with you, but I want you to understand a couple of things about this. Firstly, when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, that sounds really like a huge project, doesn't it? I mean, it's almost like you hear that and you're like, well, I can't do that. Well, the truth is you can't. You can't. You can't go and make disciples of all nations. But if we follow the model that Jesus gave to us, then most certainly the message of Christ and the disciples of Jesus can go across the entire nations and across the entire earth because Jesus gave us a model for discipleship. He gave us this model. And, it go, and you find this because in the second verse there, or the 20th verse of, of Matthew 28, Jesus says, teach these new disciples. So there's some teaching going on. So it's not just preaching going and declaring a message and then leaving the town or walking away, but there's actual some teaching going on, right? So Jesus is giving us this model for making disciples. And then I love how he says this because we talk about Jesus making things new. It says, teach these disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. See, Jesus came along and kind of straightened things up for us a little bit. 
when Jesus came along, he took the what how the the law the old law had been taken and kind of manipulated and added upon and man-made rules were getting piled on and piled on and piled on and jesus came along and kind of shook that up a little bit to to down to what it really was you go and read the red letters in the new testament and you'll see how jesus said a lot of things that were not logical but they were kingdom truths like people had been wired to think one way and so he says listen these are the commands i've taught you and I want to, so there's this discipleship happening. And I want us to go a little bit deeper into this about what this looks like. How did Jesus actually make disciples? Because he's just told his disciples to go and make more. All right, so I think we need to get in, we need to understand this, right? When, when Jesus says go and do something, we need to know how to do it. Now, here's the thing we know that he didn't do. Well, he, he, Jesus didn't just show up at the largest place or like an arena or you know a stadium or the largest field or the largest hillside that wasn't his plan like he didn't sit down with his disciples and get out a map and say let's go to this next city and where can we get the most people into one place so they can hear me preach now did jesus go from town to town and did a lot of people come out like thousands of people come out yes Jesus didn't didn't set that wasn't his purpose like that wasn't his like like what he was really intentional about but listen let's be honest if any of us got a text today that said Jesus was in town we're gonna go right so what it was is the crowds heard that Jesus was there because Jesus was performing miracles he was doing all these amazing things and people wanted to check it out and so when they did of course Jesus taught of course he spoke to them of course he did this he he fed the multitudes we we know this but where Jesus was very intentional was with his disciples so you're talking 12 people 20 people Jesus was very intentional of spending time with a smaller group of men and women and he poured into these people when Jesus says in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples, he wasn't talking to 3,000 people. That doesn't mean the message wasn't true for them, but he was actually speaking to his disciples, his small group of people that he, he had been pouring into for three years. And he says, I want you to go and make disciples. So we know that the model Jesus gives us is very intentional about how we too make disciples okay i want us to to follow this so we know that jesus like invested in this small group of people he didn't purposely seek out the large groups he ministered to the large groups but you know think about it like this jesus couldn't give the personal um direction the the personal care that every one of those crowds of thousands of people needed was he god yes but let's remember that jesus was in human form and so Jesus was in human form, and he was hungry like we are, tired like we were. His feet would hurt if he wore wedges. He didn't wear wedges. Just saying. Um, he would sweat. I mean, he all these things, right? This is true. But so he is, and the same Jesus was bound by a 24-hour day, seven days a week. And whatever the calendar year looked like when Jesus was walking on the earth. He was fully human. And so if 3,000 people came and 3,000 people needed prayer one-on-one -on -one with Jesus, there wouldn't be enough time in the day. He was bound by this. Jesus knew this. He was very intentional about pouring in to a small group of people. 
He ministered everywhere he went to whoever would listen, but he discipled 12, 20, up to probably 30 people that was going with him, traveling with him where he went. So think about that. So the, the, the question is, how do we do this as a church? Well, we see what Jesus did. Jesus gives us a model of, yes, we will have someone stand on this stage, and we will have someone speak to 600 people a week. It's what we've been averaging. Okay. Yes, we will do that. But one person standing here, I certainly cannot minister to the needs of all the people. So we've been averaging about 600 people, including that probably you know 70 or so kids. Add to that, on Sunday nights, this place is, it's shaken. We got about 120, 150 students here on Sunday nights. No one person could do that. So you know what we're doing? As a church, we want to model this, and I'm going to get to you how you personally do this, but I want us to see how we're modeling what we see Jesus doing as a church. So we have a kids pastor who can really pour into our kids because one person can't do it all, and that, that kids pastor has a porch kids team. And they're pouring into those kids. That's why we have a student pastor. And, and, they're amazing, and, and his amazing volunteers who are pouring in to our students. Right? This is why that we have a, a really handsome middle school leader. He happens to be my husband. And, um, and he's got these great leaders. And they're, they're, they are discipling and pouring into our middle school students. This is why we have this, Right? I don't know if you know this, but we have a connections coordinator. If you have been a first-time guest in the last couple of weeks, you've heard from our connections coordinator, Terry Jenkins. Her, her role is to reach out to and make sure that she's connecting with all the folks that are coming to our church for the first time because one person can't do it all. I don't know if you know this, but we have a nurture team. I don't know if you knew. We have a nurture team, and the whole purpose for this nurture team is to walk alongside of you folks at different times in your life with life's ups and with life's downs. When, when things are going on, maybe with you or someone in your family or a connection or someone, and we have a nurture team that's going to walk alongside and minister because one person can't do it all. Those connection cards and the seat backs in front of you, one of the things we want to tell you to do and be sure to do is when, when, when you have a prayer need, when you have a, a life situation going on and you want the church to know and you want, the, you want someone in the church to walk alongside of you, fill that out and turn that in so that our nurture team can, can help and come alongside. Our community groups, which you're going to hear a whole lot more about in a couple of weeks because we're doing a whole series on community. But we want our community groups to do the same model that Jesus did, which was pour into a small group of people where you care for each other because one person can't do it all. We see this with Jesus. He could teach to thousands, but he discipled 12, 20, maybe 30 people. We want to follow this same model. So we see this example that Jesus set for us. So then how do, how do you do this? Okay, Because I gave you like the church model. How does this play out in your life? How would it be possible for you to live out Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20? What does this look like? I'm going to give you a couple of practical things that you're going to have to really live into to see how it works for you. Um, depending on your job and your circumstances and, and what you do, it might be easier for some than for others, but I believe it's possible for all of us. Jesus gave us this model. The first thing we know when Jesus came along and, and started to bring disciples uh, unto himself, you know, saying, hey, come on, let's go, 
What we know is that within a very short amount of time, if they didn't know who he was already, is that they heard and understood that he was the embodiment of God. He was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. He was chosen to come. And so what we know from the very beginning is that the grace of God is now in human form. Where God and man had been separated all that time because of sin and our impossible, it was impossible for us to, no matter what we did, we were not going to get to God. We needed the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And we see in the very beginning, Jesus is like the full embodiment of the grace of God. Here I am to connect you to God. I've come to take on the sins of the world so that you might have life and live into it the way you were designed to do. So Jesus is the expression of grace. So for you, what I would say is, for me, is we need to share our grace story. How do you make disciples? You need to be willing, when, when the opportunity presents itself, to share your grace story. Anyone have a grace story in here? Okay, now you're claiming it. All right, just checking. I thought all of your armor. I, I, I do. We have grace stories, and you don't necessarily have one. You've got like a bunch. As we get to know God, as we get to, as, as we get to, we call on the name of Jesus, we start to have a grace story. I've got so many grace stories I can tell you. Oh my goodness. So many grace stories. My, my, the biggest one, the most uh, dramatic one is when I had a friend who was praying for me and so wanting me to know Jesus and I was just I was just stiff-arming them. I didn't want to hear anything or know anything. And then maybe, maybe she planned it, maybe she didn't, but we completely flipped her car and, <laughs> and totaled it. And I had just put my seatbelt on like 30 seconds before the accident. And I never wore a seatbelt. And I remember sitting on that side of the highway after we'd flipped our car. And I remember looking off into the darkness, and I said, thank you. And I knew in that moment that I was thanking a God I did not know and who up to that point I had, I wanted nothing to do with. That's one of my grace moments. See, there's opportunities all the time for you to share these stories. You don't have to be preachy. You don't have to hand out a tract or a pamphlet or something like that or stand on the street corner with a megaphone. But I'm telling you, folks, God puts you in situations all the time where you have an opportunity to share a grace story. So if you haven't thought about your grace stories recently, I encourage you to sit down and think of some of them. Because I, I, I tell you, the Lord wants to use them. He wants to use them. Because what Jesus did is he was the embodiment of grace. So what do we do? We share our grace story. And secondly, so how, are we, how do we make disciples? First of all, we share our grace story. Secondly, we, we show them how our lives have changed. See, if I just tell you about the car tumbling over and me saying, thank you, God, but then I go and just live the rest of my life however I want it and I never give God another, another thought, then there's nothing there. That's just a, a, a brief story. But see, the, the, the meat of that story is not that I clicked my seatbelt on and then I said, thank you. It was that when, when I got back to my house, the next day I went and I bought a Bible because I didn't own one. And I started to read it, and I couldn't put it down, and I was hungry for the Word of God like I'd never been in my life, ever. And I was, like, afraid to, like, highlight or mark on the actual, like, Scripture, so I would just make all the notes down in the, on the sides of the pages and all around it, you know. 
And as I did that, I, I, I realized that, that this God who, who saved me loved me. So he didn't just save me because he's just some great God detached way out there, but he actually loved me. And he wanted to be in relationship with me. And so from that point forward, my life started to change. I started to talk differently. Ooh, did I really start to talk differently? I started to act differently. I started to think differently. I started to want to be around people that, that felt and talked and, and thought the way that I did. I still hadn't gone to a church. And finally, after a couple of months, I, I went to a church. I was like, okay, I want to learn more. I want to be in the body of believers. I want to understand this. And I grew and I grew. So see, how do we make disciples? You don't just like, you know, put a post out there and be like, hey, looking for 13, you know, 12 disciples, you want to show up, you know, looking for 20 people, you want to be my disciple. No, you, you do life with them. Jesus showed up and said, do you, do, you want to, do you want to do this? He was the embodiment of the grace of God. And then as they walked with him, guess what? They realized this was the real deal. They saw the grace of God in this man. So we... We share our, our grace story. We show them our, how our life has changed because of the grace of God. And then thirdly, and we see this already, is that we invite them to walk with us. We invite people to walk with us. Now, when we're in church and you use the word invite, everyone automatically thinks, will you come to the service with me? That's fine if you want to do that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about inviting people into your life intentionally where they walk alongside of you. That means you're sharing meals together, you're spending time together, you're crying together, you're laughing together. You might not see eye to eye together because this is, you're trying to figure out what is it that God really wants me to do. And someone, someone might actually speak some truth in your life that you don't want to hear in that moment, but you need to hear it. This is what Jesus did. And he invited them, come follow me, come walk with me. Go with me from town to town as I share the grace story and people see the evidence of God's grace in my life. Walk with me. That's how Jesus made disciples. That's how he did it. And so as the church, we've put into place some ways in which we can better minister to smaller groups of people. But folks, where the real discipleship happens is when you and you and you, and you, and me, and all of us look around us and say, God, who have you put into my life? Who is it that I, that I, wanna, that I need to invite to walk alongside of me? Because they're there. They're there. They're all around. Share, show, invite. You know, I said that today's a special day because we are doing a, a blessing for our teachers in just a little bit. And thinking about that, it, it reminded me of teachers and classrooms and all that. It reminded me of, of, a, of a situation that happened, gosh, 20 or so years ago. Um, I was seeking advice from someone uh, because I, I needed help. I, I needed to know how to handle the situation. And as I told them the whole situation, they just stopped and looked at me, and they, they asked me this crucial question. And I think it's so worth sharing with you. And for you to apply it in the, in the situations that you can. Now, the reason I was seeking advice was because I had a friend 
who seemed to be making some really just dumb choices and they were about to make a really dumb one and I was trying to tell this person and I was trying to you know impart wisdom to this person and tell them this and be like you know this isn't the best thing and all this stuff and they were not hearing it and they were a believer and I was just like I don't understand I don't understand and so I told all this to this person I was seeking advice from and they looked at me and they said this question is this person in your classroom now if you're like me I was like I'm not a teacher. What, what are you talking about a classroom? I, we're not in school together. What do you mean? Why, why are you asking me if this person is in my classroom? Like, I was just teaching tennis at the time. I wasn't, like, it wasn't a tennis thing. It's like, what are you talking about? And they said, is this person in a position in your life to hear your concerns, to, to take your advice, to take your teaching, and take it to heart. Because, they said, if they don't see themselves as in your classroom, then it really doesn't matter what you say to them because they won't hear it. Teachers, can I get an amen there? Who is in your classroom? Who is it that God has brought around you that he wants you to invite into their classroom, into your classroom, where you are imparting to them, you're teaching them, you're, you're, you're sharing the example of Christ with them? Is it in work? Is it, is it at school? Is it, is it uh, in your hobbies? Is it, is it in your home? Where is it? Because I believe, as followers of Jesus, if we're supposed to carry the model of Christ and we see him doing this then I believe he's given us all this opportunity around us to have kind of a classroom and that, he, and that people are invited into it and we can keep people out we can kick people out we can welcome people in it's really up to us I mean so think about it because here's really where it came down to me and it kind of slapped me in the face a little bit there are people right now in your life that see your example right now there are people right now who actually they want they want to know more not maybe not necessarily about Jesus but they're in your life and they're they're there they're like they're there to learn they're there to hear they're here they're there to be and and I would say that those people are your disciples now what you impart to them is entirely up to you you can use this as an incredible opportunity if you're a follower of Jesus to impart the grace of God to them, to share your story, to live out how your life is different because of it. And then as you begin to know them and, and grow, that you invite them to, to walk in this life with you. Because this is what Jesus did. And what I love about Jesus' invitation for people to walk with him is that at no point did he say, but first you've got to fill out this like 90-page questionnaire because I've got to make sure you're good enough. Folks, none of us are good enough. It goes back to that grace of God. This isn't about like, like some, somebody in here I know because there's a lot of us in here is thinking this, this, this topic isn't for me because I'm, I'm kind of a screw-up. No, it's, it's for you. God wants to use you. He wants to impart his grace to you. He wants you to share that story. He wants others to see how your life has changed.
He wants you to invite other people into your classroom. This is the model Jesus gives us. So maybe you're wondering today, how did that really work? I mean, if he just was pouring into 12, 20, 30 people, how did that really work? We'll just look around the room. Because the ripple effects of Jesus discipling a few people is still going on today. We, I am a result of Jesus pouring in to 20 or so friends. And he wants us all to be a part of this. Jesus made disciples, and his church will too. As we move to a time of communion, it is so fitting that we're talking about this today because, see, when communion, up to the moment that communion was instituted as it became a thing see up to that point it was it was called the passover it was the celebration of the passover right it was a a jewish celebration it's what they had always done and on this particular night jesus wasn't speaking to thousands of people he was in a room with his friends and they were around a table and they were celebrating the passover and at every passover meal they had bread and at every passover meal they had wine And so on that night, when they were there to do that, Jesus goes and flips the script. He's like, okay, I know we're here for the Passover, but it's about to change. We celebrated God's just incredible grace and mercy and saving the firstborn of Israel. That was what Passover is all about. But now, from this point forward, this meal is going to be a celebration of how God has come to reconcile himself with humanity through myself, Jesus says. So can you imagine you're at dinner with your, with your friend, with the one who's discipling you, Jesus, and he takes the loaf that's been there the whole time and he lifts it up and he says, this loaf, it's not just about you know, the, the unleavened bread that we had to eat. You know. No, this loaf now represents my body, which will be broken for you. Did his disciples get it then? No. Then he lifts up the cup and he says, and this cup, It doesn't just represent the the blood sacrifice that had to be made. This blood now, this cup now represents my blood, which will be poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. It changed. And that's what communion represents this morning. It represents the fact that, that God sent Christ to be in relationship with us. He sent Christ so that you and I could be made new so that we could live the resurrected life that is promised to us. We don't have to be that person anymore. This is what we celebrate in communion. Now, I know with a group this size, there's probably some of you that that maybe you come from different church backgrounds or things like that, and, and maybe you don't celebrate communion or you do it differently or whatever. But I want you to know that in this church, what we say about the communion table is that all are invited who earnestly repent of their sin and desire to be in relationship with God through Christ Jesus. That's open to all of us. And so when you come, what I would say is there's going to be some folks that are going to be up here to serve you because it'd take a long time for one person to serve so many. See, even in communion we do this thing. Someone will serve you and they will take the bread and, and... They will have the bread, and they want to give it to you because this is a gift from God. So instead of you coming to take it, why don't you open your hands and let them place it in your hands? 
And they'll say something like, the body of Christ broken for you. And then don't, don't take it immediately and pop it in your mouth, but, but look at that bread and see it. And it's that beautiful white bread. And then take it and, and there'll be a person with a cup with, with juice in it. And they'll say this cup represents the blood of Christ which has been poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sin or something like that. Take that bread and dip it in that cup and watch that white bread turn dark red and be reminded of how Christ has taken upon your sin. That's what communion represents. And so in a moment, the ushers will direct you to come, which station to go to, and, and that. This is our first Sunday of doing communion, so we might work out some logistical things later. So thank you for, your, for working with us as we do this. The ushers, when they direct you, they'll have a basket. And in that basket, we'd love for you to put your connection card. Those prayers and, and things that, that our nurture team can help you with or our connection uh, coordinator can work with you with. We, we want to know how we can walk with you. Because we want to put the people in place to walk alongside of you on your faith journey. They also, um, and you can place your connection cards and also your offerings and your gifts. We want to be able to do incredible ministries like our Disciple Now and our Porch Kids and all the other things coming up in our community groups. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're participating in the, in the life of the church to make this happen. So I'm going to ask those who are serving if you would come and stand up here as we have a short time of prayer before communion. So those serving, go ahead and come as we pray. Father, thank you for the example you give us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the way in which you have shown yourself to be a disciple maker. And you ask us to do the very same thing. You haven't made it quite as hard as we would probably try, think it is. But we certainly need to be... Um, willing to participate in it. And so I pray, God, that, um, that we would be open to be disciple makers. God, I thank you that the example you give to us through Jesus Christ in communion is one of, it's, it's beautiful. And I pray, Lord, that in this moment, on this day, that, that there are some here today who are realizing maybe for the very first time that you want to be in relationship with them. And it's not based on how good they are or what they know. It's based on your great grace and mercy. I pray that we celebrate that, that we realize that, that we understand that as we come to the table together now pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.